Hey, good day to all of you out there. So I heard uh, the gingerbread man, Aka Prince Harry, fell off his horse during a polo match. Of course, it was later revealed that his horse was on drugs and was high at the time. So basically, Harry fell off his high horse. Oh, and then we have Justin Bieber, who was asking for prayers from his fans when his face began drooping from the Ramsey Hunt syndrome. Well, I don't really do the prayer thing, so uh, I thought I would just take it one step further. So I actually got a contact number for him and called him. Of course, he didn't answer. I got the answer machine, but I thought I'd leave him a little message of inspiration. So when that answering machine came on, I said, hey, hey, droopy, droopy, hang on. Don't be a poopy droopy. Hey, hey now, droopy, droopy, hang on. Don't be a droopy poopy. Thank you, thank you, and thank you for the edibles. Thanks for the bra, thank you. I originally had something else planned for this particular part of the episode, but I'm going to play you something a little different. I received a recording from an anonymous person in the mail, and I've listened to the recording once, and um, I don't know, I'm going to let you judge, but it it sounds to me like there might have been a, a crime that took place upon some sort of cruise ship or something. But anyway, I'm going to let you decide what you think uh, transpired. I'll play you the recording now. What has happened He's been bitten by a shark. Yes, a rather big shark by the looks of it. Let me see. His left arm is gone. It was probably eaten by the sharks. What is your name? That is so gross. Disgusting. We have to call the Coast Guard. No, it's too late. This man is not going to survive. There's no point in ruining our vacation. Throw him back. Throw him back. He's still alive. Not for long. Hey, look everyone. The sharks are back. Oh my god. He's in pieces. Where is his head? I think that's it over there. I see something bobbing up and down. It's right by the side of the boat. Dare you to reach over and get it. Let's use it for volleyball. His arm looks like it's waving. Should I wave back? If you are going to take pictures, I suggest you do it now. Now, please, go enjoy the rest of your vacation. So there you have it. I don't know what to think. Is it murder? I mean, everybody's clapping at the end. It sounds like somebody saved a vacation for a lot of people. And if the guy was mortally wounded, I mean, that was that. There was nothing you could do anyway. So I don't know. I'm not going to send it into uh, the authorities. I'm going to leave it at this and uh, hope they had a fantastic vacation. Okay, let's get into the uh, main topic uh, of today's um cosmic egg episode and it involves literature yes so i'm hoping there's some book readers still out there because these particular books i can tell you right now are magical in every single sense of the word Uh, so right up front these aren't feel-good books light and airy feel-good books they are very empowering you will definitely not regret reading them they are incredibly well written and incredibly influential 
And so hopefully some of you will recognize the author's name. His name is Carlos Castaneda. And he was a student at the UCLA, University of California, Los Angeles, in the 1960s, taking anthropology and working toward his PhD. So he hands in these papers that ends up being his first book, The Teachings of Don Juan, A Yaqui Way of Knowledge, nonfiction book. And it does get him his PhD. And the book does so well that the university goes on to publish his next two books. The first four book titles are The Teachings of Don Juan, A Yaqui Way of Knowledge, A Separate Reality, Journey to Eastland, and Tales of Power. So uh, all in all, uh, if we go right up to today, Carlos Castaneda published in total 12 books. But I want to focus on the first four books because these are the ones that changed it all. They were earth-shattering in every way and so influential that a few professors in the world actually quit their jobs looking for their own Don Juan. And um, so that just gives you an idea of just how powerful they are. And he refused and, uh, and he never did give permission uh, for his books to be made into movies. He's been asked by everyone. So other movies came out. You can tell they were inspired by it, uh, such as the movie Altered States. There's also a book called The Peaceful Warrior, about the, um, a true story about Dan Millman, an athlete. Uh, and there's a movie made about that with Nick Nolte. And that movie is good and worth seeing. It's called The Peaceful Warrior, The Way of the Peaceful Warrior. But these are clearly an inspiration from Carlos Castaneda. Okay, because it's kind of got the same premise. So what can you expect from these books? Well, I'll be giving a few quotes from the books, from uh, the various 12 books, uh, mainly from the first four. But in the first book, uh, Carlos Castaneda is introduced to the, um, Mescalito or Mescaline because, uh, as Don Juan says, he's too closed-minded to see reality. Or a very he, he can't uh, expand his consciousness enough to learn. So um, he's going to teach him about the four enemies of man in this book, fear, clarity, power, and old age. Uh, he also teaches him how to go into a state of mind where he becomes something he's not, such as a crow. And this state is so complete that he can feel the pain and suffering of wings bursting through his shoulders or the bird's beak bursting from the front of his face. And then he finally becomes the total crow and flies off and then comes back and relates the experience to Don Juan. So this is kind of gives you a little bit of a hint of some of the intensity um, uh, of the, what these books hold. And um, this all takes place in the desert in Mexico. Anyway, and they are so well written. Like I mentioned, uh, you cannot go wrong by getting these, at least these first four books. Uh, because once, once you're onto the second book, I'm afraid you're going to be hooked. You won't be able to put them down. You'll need to finish those first four and then you'll go on. But once you finish that fourth book, it jumps into areas that are completely different. And that's why I don't want to get into it uh, in this episode. But they're completely different than the first four books. Okay, so I'm going to give you a little taste of what you'd be in for if you pick up these first four books. I'll take some quotes from them. Uh, they won't just be from the first four books. I'll take quotes from some of the other books as well if I think they're good and I think you might like them. But mainly they'll be from the first four books. For me, there is only traveling on paths that have heart, on any path that may have heart. And the only worthwhile challenge is to traverse its full length. And there I travel, looking, looking, breathlessly. 
The trick is in what one emphasizes. We either make ourselves miserable or we make ourselves happy. The amount of work is the same. The aim is to balance the terror of being alive with the wonder of being alive. A man of knowledge lives by acting, not by thinking about acting. For me, the world is weird because it is stupendous, awesome, mysterious, unfathomable. My interest has been to convince you that you must assume responsibility for being here, in this marvelous world, in this marvelous desert, in this marvelous time. I want to convince you that you must learn to make every act count, since you are going to be here for only a short while. In fact, too short for witnessing all the marvels of it. Forget the self, and you will fear nothing, in whatever level or awareness you find yourself to be. A man goes to knowledge as he goes to war, wide awake, with fear, with respect, and with absolute assurance. Going to knowledge or going to war in any other manner is a mistake, and whoever makes it might never live to regret it. The average man seeks certainty in the eyes of the onlooker and calls that self-confidence. The warrior seeks impeccability in his own eyes and calls that humbleness. The average man is hooked to his fellow men, while the warrior is hooked only to infinity. The internal dialogue is what grounds people in the daily world. The world is such and such or so and so, only because we talk to ourselves about its being such and such and so and so. The passageway into the world of shamans opens up after the warrior has learned to shut off his internal dialogue. To worry is to become accessible, unwittingly accessible. And once you worry, you cling to anything out of desperation. And once you cling, you are bound to get exhausted or to exhaust whoever or whatever you are clinging to. The dying sun will glow on you without burning, as it has done today. The wind will be soft and mellow and your hilltop will tremble. As you reach the end of your dance, you will look at the sun, for you will never see it again in waking or in dreaming. And then your death will point to the south, to the vastness. A warrior must focus his attention on the link between himself and his death. He must let each of his acts be his last battle on earth. Only under those conditions will his acts have their rightful power. What makes us unhappy is to want. Yet if we would learn to cut our wants to nothing, the smallest thing we'd get would be a true gift. A man of knowledge has no honor, no dignity, no family, no name, no country, but only life to be lived. Intent is not a thought or an object or a wish. Intent is what can make a man succeed when his thoughts tell him that he is defeated. It operates in spite of the warrior's indulgence. Intent is what makes him invulnerable. Intent is what sends a shaman through a wall, through space, to infinity. A warrior thinks of his death when things become unclear. The idea of death is the only thing that tempers our spirit. When nothing is for sure, we remain alert, perennially on our toes. It is more exciting not to know which bush the rabbit is hiding behind than to behave as though we knew everything. The average man doesn't do this, though. The world is never a mystery for him, 
and when he arrives at old age, he is convinced he has nothing more to live for. An old man has not exhausted the world. He has exhausted only what people do. But in his stupid confusion, he believes that the world has no more mysteries for him. What a wretched price to pay for our shields. I will die in Paris while it rains, on a day which I already remember. I will die in Paris, and I do not run away, perhaps in the autumn on a Thursday, as it is today. It will be a Thursday, because today, the Thursday that I write these lines, my bones feel the turn, and never so much as today in all my road have I seen myself alone. Okay, well, that concludes uh, that little piece on uh, Carlos Castaneda. Hopefully you'll uh, take advantage and uh, look for those um, first four books especially. They're often in uh, used bookstores. And if you can, try to catch that movie, The Peaceful Warrior, with uh, Nick Nolte. Well worth it. I did see it on some movie channel. I don't think it was Netflix. It could have been Amazon or uh, Tubi, uh, T-U-B-I, if anyone watches that, the free movie station. Pretty good place. Anyway, I uh, promised my friend Jeff I'd read his uh, joke about amputees to you, but I can't because, to be honest with you, I don't understand. I don't get the punchline. I'm completely stumped. Okay, a little rock trivia for you here. Billy Idol wrote a song about a burn victim. Which song was it? If you don't know, well, you're about to find out. Yes, not all songs are what they appear to be. Mick Jagger and Keith Richards wrote a song about an arsonist. Can you guess which one? Make your pick, because here it comes. I'm lighting a match. So don't play with me, because you're playing with fire. So don't you play with me, because you're playing with fire. Just as Randy Bachman was inspired by his brother's stutter and wrote You Ain't Seen Nothing Yet, Bill Haley of Bill Haley in the Comets was inspired by a friend who suffered from seizures and wrote this song. Shake, rattle, and roll. I said shake, rattle, and roll. I said shake, rattle, and roll. I said shake, rattle, and roll. Now, incidentally, Johnny Kidd of Johnny Kidd and the Pirates had a cousin who also suffered from seizures and inspired Johnny to write this song. Shaking all over. Mr. Nye, can you tell us why you think we should hire you for this position? Uh, yes, most certainly. Uh, well, I graduated with honors. I was one of the top five students. I held a 96% average and a 100% attendance record. Um, I'm a team player and work well with others. I've always uh, enjoyed working with others. My practicum was at a private lab where I worked in the area of histology, but that uh, practicum led me to getting a full-time job with a large corporation in the area of chemistry hematology, and uh, where I've worked for uh, over a year now. And um, my favorite area to work with is in microbiology. 
and which is why I'm applying to your firm for this uh, position. It is the area that I'm most content with and I work best in. How long did you work as a medical lab technician? Well, I worked uh, for 10 months in, as a practicum in a private lab in the area of histology, and I was hired immediately from there. So I actually didn't have a break after graduating. I went right into full-time employment, uh, where I've worked for over 12 months in chemistry hematology. Mr. Nye, do you have a criminal record? A uh, criminal record? Yeah, I have, uh, well, I have several. Several? Did you say several? Mm-hmm. Can you tell us more about that? I'm not sure I can remember them all, but I'll, I'll do my best. Let's see, I have uh, G.G. Allen, Tupac Shakur, uh, Big Lurch, Snow, Billy Holiday. I'm sorry, did you say Billy Holiday? Yeah, that was for possession of narcotics. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Let's see, I also have uh, uh, some records with Jim Gordon, uh, James Brown, Lead Belly, I have Charles Manson's record, um, Chuck Berry. I have some records with Dave Holland. Um, that's all, all I can think of right now off the top of my head. I think that's all the questions we have for you. We'll be in touch once a final decision is made. Oh, okay. Sounds good. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you too. Nice meeting you both. Take care. What an idiot. Did you know that about Billie Holiday? No, I didn't. In 1996, I was practicing hypnotic techniques on my friend Bill when he experienced a sudden, major psychotic breakdown, one from which he has yet to recover. Psychiatrists would diagnose him with having schizotypal personality disorder, though myself and those who knew or know Bill do not feel that fully accounts for his condition. Many are fully convinced he is possessed, and some believe he has main character syndrome, a condition not yet accepted by the mental health community. Tonight I will play for you the original recording of our hypnosis session, which was held in Bill's backyard one night under a canopy. The recording starts when I realize something is wrong with Bill. He is no longer responding to me. Bill, wake up. Hey, Bill. Wake up. Two C's, two D's, and an F. What the? Bill? Bill, Bill, wake up. You gotta wake up. Bill, wake up. Bill, it's Mike. I see dead people. Bill, you okay? Bill, come on. Bill, snap out of it, man. Bill. Your mother's in here with his cars. Would you like to leave a message? Bill, wake up. Come on, man. Wake up. Fight this, Bill. Fight it. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. I'm going to get you help, man. I'm going to go get you help. You stay here, man. You stay here. I'm going to get you help. Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? 